beautiful song that is and it's one of the hope that we all it's a great hope that every child of God every Christian has that one day we will see the Lord when he returns for his people before we go any further tonight I'd like to lead us in prayer and I want you to join with me the Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, tonight for the privilege that you've given to us that we can come into your house. Lord, tonight in a special way, I thank you that in a world full of chaos, floods, hurricanes, volcanoes, forest fire, and all kinds of destruction, Father, that you're pleased to have mercy on us that we live in this area that's not bombarded by disaster. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. We know, Lord, that we really do not deserve this, but you're such a wonderful Heavenly Father, and we thank you. Tonight we remember your children around the world especially those areas bombarded by destruction and judgment. Father, we pray you'll have mercy on your people. And Lord, here in North America, those of us that are a part of the work of God, we pray that you'll be with us. 
Touch your minds, touch your hearts. Bless this service tonight. And help us, Lord, in the midst of all of this chaos, we can focus on our Lord Jesus. Help us, we pray. Bless this service, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am glad to see some of you folks out here tonight. And I want to welcome those following us online. I pray that God would allow this service to be a challenge to your life. Tonight, today, while I was firsting in the morning, I put the news on and all I could see is destruction. One country after the other, places that never got a disaster is suffering from disaster. The world is in chaos. And so when we think of the privilege God has given to us, we're glad that we're here. Tonight, the reality, one of the things one of the realities of life that I have to face with, and I do this every single day for the, past, for the recent years, uh, for the past couple of years, is that I think how short life is. In the book of Job, Job, the 14th chapter, and you know, the book of Job has so much so much to learn from and Job starts to talk um, as a matter of fact he is speaking in the 12th chapter and the 13th chapter and then he goes on over into the 14th chapter and as I look at the 13th chapter he is accusing his friends he is condemning them for their lack of empathy and their lack of sympathy. He says in verse 26 of the 13th chapter, he says, For the righteous bitter things against me, and makest me to possess the iniquities of my youth. He said, I puttest my feet also in stocks, and lookest narrowly unto all my path. Thou settest a print upon my heels, the heels of my feet. And he, as a rotten thing, consumeth as a garment. This is moth Eden. But what I wanted to bring your attention to is chapter 14. And this is so important. And tonight I'd like to talk to you about some of the realities of, of life that we have to face. Here he said, man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower, and is cut down, and fleeth also as a shadow, and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such a one, and bringest me, then bringest me into judgment with thee? And he goes on to talk about a few other things. But what I like to focus on is that man that is born of a woman is of a few days. 
In the Paul's writing to the Hebrews, Paul is referring to a list of individuals in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And when you find that chapter, don't start reading, just listen to me for a moment. Today, I was in my garden. I'm thinking, man is like a flower. He blooms today and he's gone tomorrow. And you'll be surprised to know, I have a variety of flowers in my garden. Some are wild, wildflowers and a hasta, a flower called hasta is the most popular right now because it's predominant, like it's taller than everybody else. But today you look at a beautiful hasta and by tomorrow you've got to clip it. The petunias are beautiful and I like a particular purplish petuna that stands so beautiful. But today it's there and tomorrow it's dead. And I don't know, I always wondered in the kingdom of God, would flowers die? Because nothing seems to die in the kingdom. And so you wonder, and I think flowers from fruit trees would have to fall off in order for the fruit to be produced. But when you look at the spring and you see the apple blossom and the cherry blossom and all these blossoms, the world sometimes out of a death-like winter it comes to life because the blooms are there. But I'm working in my garden and I see what's beautiful today is not going to be beautiful tomorrow. And I will go and cut each dead bloom out while I'm listening to the tape in my pocket. And while I'm doing that, I'm thinking how frail mankind is. And I'm thinking of my boyhood days when I was growing up. I was into old-time country music. And I thought of individuals, singers that I like, worldly singers, you know, they sing some religious songs and they were worldly singers. I'm thinking of Jim Reeves. I was a young man growing up. To me, the best, richest voice in the whole world was Jim Reeves. But he's gone. I'm thinking of Hank Snow. He's Canadian. But he's gone. I'm thinking of popular, more popular men from the 60s and 70s. And one of the the, a man that sang the best country music song in history was Georgia Jones. Um, the title of that song was, he sang a song, He Stopped Loving Her Today, and it deals with death. Um, about how someone was in love and the, marriage, and the relationship broke up, and this man could not give up, still loving that woman until... He stopped loving her today. That was the song. That means he was dead. And his love lasted until the grave. And so all of these 
popular man. And someone that says, well, you're telling the saints. Well, you know, I read my Bible and it tells me all of David's flaws. So that's okay if I share some of my flaws, what used to be my flaws with you, right? And um, one of the best country singers of all time was Merle Haggard. Well, Willie Nelson must be the only one alive, still alive, but Merle Haggard gone. And one of the songs they was very popular was Who Will Fill Their Shoes? And then we come to the Bible, to the period in the Bible, and I'm looking at the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And I just choose a few names here. And in chapter 11, verse 4, speaks of Abel. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch. So we have Abel, we have Enoch in verse 5. Verse 7 has Noah. And now you know we talked about Noah just the other day. A man of, uh, that served God, a man of righteousness that served God in his time. Then you come to verse 8, talks about Abraham. When he was called to go into, uh, into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, he obeyed God. God called him and he obeyed God. And you go down and look at these names in verse 20. It talks about Isaac. Verse 21 speaks, uh, mentions Jacob. Verse 22 mentions Joseph. Verse 23, one of my favorite persons in the Bible, Moses. It has some beautiful things it talks about Moses. And then, as you come further down in that chapter, it talks in verse 32 of Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel. And then it lists from verse from verse 36 coming down all the way down it talks about individuals that suffered as martyrs they wandered in sheepskin and goatskin they were stoned verse 37 they were sawn asunder they were tempted slain with the sword they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute and they all verse 39 Every one of these individuals that Paul mentions, if he's the author of Hebrews, that they all obtain a good report. Isn't that wonderful that you can look back and find these men that were so wonderful and they all obtain a good report. But in verse, in verse 13 of Hebrews, it says, these all died in faith having not not having received the promises when I'm thinking of Hebrews Paul for some reason doesn't mention Isaiah for some reason he didn't mention Jeremiah 
He doesn't mention the minor prophets like Hosea, Amos, and Obadiah, and Micah, and Nahum, Habakkuk, or Micah. But you're looking at a volume of men that existed serving God, and they all died. Every single one of them died. And, and we're looking back, and it's okay, I can go back and try to see if I can resurrect them for a moment with their words and see if I can bring their words to life. And I can do that. Preachers have the ability to do a lot of things. But the fact is, man is like a flower. Today he blooms, and tomorrow he withers away. Then I remember coming in, in my boyhood days, I grew up, and my pastor back there, his name was Reverend Harry Das. I love the man. He didn't know what we knew. He was not so equipped with doctrines. I think I, I branded him when I was growing up as a young man. I said, Brother Das has six major messages. And he would elaborate on that. But he was a man that prayed more than any other man that I ever encountered in my life. Harry Das was a prayer, prayerful person. And I've seen things happen in his ministry. I've seen miracles happen. But Harry Das, Brother Harry Das, wonderful man and I'm growing I grew up as a young man respecting him and putting him I got rebuked by him a few times I remember one time when I was growing up and he I'm telling you my story I was a young man teaching Sunday school I did not like to go to church too early because they might want me to testify and I didn't like like to say anything in church so I'll wait until church starts and the testimony period is over and then I go into church. And then they caught me to say the closing prayer. I remember one time I went into church and I'm sitting in the back and they had a convention, a little mini convention. And Brother Das was there and there was a brother whose name was Brother Hilliman, he was there. And there was a brother, his name was Brother John. He played the accordion real good. Uh, some great men were sitting there in that meeting. And while the worship was going on, someone got up and prophesied. Young man, I was about 18, 19. I might have been 19. And someone prophesied, thus said the Lord. I'm the God that brought you out of, uh, out of Egypt, out of bondage. And I'm here to bless you. You'd be blessed in the morning and in the midday and in the evening. You go on, blessing, blessing, blessing. And that person sat down. And then another person got up and started to prophesy. Say, I'm the Lord your God. And I want to call you to repentance. Otherwise, I'll bring my judgment upon you. And I'm hearing somebody say it about blessing. And now is somebody saying about judgment. And I left the service. 
And man, was I ever rebuked. My pastor got me later on. He says, don't you ever do something like that again. He says, sometimes we don't understand what's going on. I said, but one is saying blessing and the other one is saying judgment. I don't know who to believe. He says, and you know, he was very strict. And then I went to see him one day and I said, Brother Das, I like this girl in Stanley Tong. Her name is Chandri. And I'm here to tell you, if it's possible, you can go and ask her dad. So I can, you know, I'm afraid to meet the dad because I'm a full-time guy that don't have a good job. I'm full-time. I don't have money. And they're business people. And he said, okay, let's pray about it. So he got me down in my knees in Georgetown. I'm in his little apartment and I'm on my knees. And I'm, wait, I'm trying to get the boat to go see Chandri. And I'm there and five minutes went by and he's praying. Ten minutes go by and he still is praying. And 15 minutes is about to happen and I'm going to miss the boat. And so I got up quietly without him knowing and I sneaked out. Now that was my pastor, but it was a man that loved to pray. I've seen miracles. I remember one time we had a crusade and Brother Das, uh, we were in an open air area in a place called Tain Settlement. And rain was set up. It was bad rainy weather. And supposed to be moonlight, but there was no moon. There was rain clouds. And while we we're about to start the service, you can hear rain hitting the tin roofs all around us like it's starting up and everybody's getting up to run because they're you're, you're in the open and brother Das got up he says let's not run let's all stand and believe God and he says let's sing showers of blessing close your eyes everyone now everyone close their eyes except mine because I want to see what was going on and I kid you not. I open my eyes and I'm looking and he's praying and I suddenly see that the clouds are moving this way and they're moving away that way and they start moving away and by the time they were singing that verse about three times I see the moon. You can hear rain falling around but it did not fall in that spot. To me that's a miracle. Brother Das was a good man and I really appreciated him. He had one flaw in life. I wouldn't tell you what it is. It was not a sin, but just a little weakness. But Brother Das is gone. He died. Sometimes you wish men would live on forever, but they don't. Life is short. He died. Then I came to America and I met Brother Lloyd Goodwin. It's an amazing man. I sat there in the Des Moines assembly. And the first time I hear this man of God preach, he stood in the pulpit. And I'm a 20 minutes preacher. You know, I can preach in front of a cinema. I sat in his church. And he had his Bible closed, an Oxford Bible just like mine. And he talked for an hour and a half, his Bible closed. 
And almost every statement he made, he had a scripture for it, and he had a bunch of elders, they would find the scripture, and he says, read that scripture, and when they're reading it, he says, you read it right, correct, brother. Because the moment they slip, he knows what the scripture is. And I looked at this man, so profound, the knowledge of God on his mouth, he became my teacher. I studied his tapes. I would spend all night listening to his messages, memorizing it. I wish I had disciples that will do that with my messages. But he's, I spent all night until about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning listening to his messages. He had another gentleman, another minister with him, Brother Carl Voorhees. And I remember those days, beautiful days. But tonight as I'm talking to you, Brother Lloyd Goodwin passed away 20 years ago. Brother Carl Voorhees, more than 20, more than 20 years ago. Think of Brother Jack Archer passed away. I think of individuals that lived in our church that were a part of our church. Brother John's sister, Sister Eileen Mowat, passed away. Denise Hamilton passed away. We think of Sister Lila, it's gone. Think of Brother Brian, gone. As I'm looking, at individuals, think of Brother Cecil Johnson, gone. We live in a world where people are dying. And it's a reality we have to face with. I was 25 years old when I went to Des Moines the first time. Chandri was 23 and I was 25. But I'm heading towards the end of my life. I'm heading towards the end of the race. And it is a journey that each one of us have to make. Some people do it earlier than other individuals. It's a fact of life that we have to face. And here in this 49th chapter of Psalms, concerning the reality of, of, of death. And he says here in verse chapter 49 of Psalms, he says, Hear this, all you people, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the world, both low and high, both rich and poor. Whether you're a big shot, or you're no shot at all. Whether you're rich, have you loaded with money, or you don't have money. He says, My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. It's a psalm of the sons of Korah. It says, I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore should I fare the, the days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels shall come past me about? They that trust in their wealth, 
And that's the age we're living in. We're living in an age where I don't have to go every day on the internet to find out who is being judged. I can remember what the scripture says, righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. And whether it's sin in a home, or a sin in an individual's life, or sin in a community, or sin in a, na in a nation, or sin in the world. Morality is being lost. As a matter of fact, it's almost completely lost. And immorality starts to reign. There are places in North America where vandalism is on a daily basis. Murder, shooting, riots, Everyone wants to fight for their rights. Today they're trying to announce, you try to put the news on and there's no good news. All bad news. The only good news some people enjoy is the sports news. And I don't look at sports. So I have just bad news so I don't follow the news. I try to follow it to keep abreast with society. But we cannot live in a fantasy world. We have to face the reality that you and I are human beings and we are not spring chickens. Some of us, we are heading towards the end of our life. And there's no point in boasting. Now we're talking about the rich and the poor here. But how about the religious? And the non-religious. Wouldn't it be sad if the man outside of the church dies and goes to the same place the man in church dies and goes to? As I preached the lesson on Sunday, and I tried to let the Lord touch my mind when I rise up to preach, as I preach that lesson on Sunday, and I compare with what the qualifications of, of the Bride of Christ in Revelation 14. These are they that follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. I have not found one person that I have met that follows the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. We live in a world where we make plans and hope that Jesus can fit in. We plan a service and hope that that service, Jesus can be a blessing and the Spirit can move. And so, instead of waiting for God to move, we try to fabricate something and call it the Spirit. We need the music. We need the hollering. We need the screaming. Preachers become entertainers, and the saints and the congregation are joining in into the revelry. The power of God is missing. And it is sad when we are living in days like this, because no matter how I try to boast myself and think I'm a great preacher, I will die 
just like Brother Goodwin died. I will die just like Isaiah died. I will die just like Jeremiah died. And when you die, people says, you know, they come to the funeral and says, he left a good legacy for five years, and then you're gone. And most individuals that want to leave a legacy is to please themselves. Because when you're gone, and few people would follow someone that's dead. People follow the beast and the worldliness in the world. But we have to understand what, uh, what the psalmist is saying here, the sons of Korah. They that trust in their wealth for sex and boast themselves in the multitude of the riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. You know, the sad day for Esau and Jacob is that one day, as Isaac was getting old, listen to me carefully, as Isaac was getting old, he wanted to bless his elder son. Now, honestly, I don't have all the facts, and I try to fish around and get some facts here and there. And someone told me that, you know, you got to follow the historians. Because they've got the facts. I want to tell you something. A historian can also put his own slant to the history. We're sitting here tonight, Brother Gregory is Russian. I'm Guyanese. Brother Joe is Canadian. Sister Dorothy is South African. Sister Cindy is Jamaican. If we're to all write history, write what's going on here, I will write with a Guyanese slant. But Gregory would write, write with a Russian slant. And if we're to write this service, describe this service for someone to read 10 years from now, I might call myself a historian, but it depends on what my theological understanding is. That's how I'll describe the service. If I feel the service was just a flesh service, I'll describe it like that. If Sister Doherty's concept is a lot of noise and a lot of dancing and a lot of music, mean the spirit is gone and there's none, you'd say there's no spirit in the service. Brother Gregory might have a different slant. Brother Joe might have a different stand, slant. And so when I'm thinking, who are the historians that has passed on history to us? Now, two weeks ago, I criticized the writers of the Bible. I criticize everything. I criticize the fact that the early church, the New Testament church, did not have a New Testament. King James Bible was 1611. Am I right, Brother Terry? 1611, a year, 1611. What happened? There was no Bible prior to that. Yes, there were all kinds of Bibles. I named two. The Bishop's Bible and the Geneva Bible. But there are all kinds of Bibles. So when I'm holding this book, 
I'm not really representing Jeremiah right because I don't know if that's what he really said. I hope to God that's what he said. But he never spoke English. And the people that translated out of whatever language it was to put it into English, and English can, English can never describe adequately what you want to understand. I was saying the other day, I'm telling Brother Gregory, I said, there, there, what do you think? The word there, everybody said there. Is it D-E-A-R? Is it D-E-E-R? Is it T-H-E-R-E? Is it T-H-E-I-R? Is it D-A-R-E? And so your English is undermined by the lack of enough words and vocabulary to describe an incident. Some people are able to, in their language, to able to describe something a little more. And so when I'm thinking of historians, I need God to help me. When I'm trying to preach to you, I need more than what's I can, what I'm going to read. I need the inspiration of God. And that is why I need to pray and ask God that when I open my mouth, He can touch my mouth and help me to save the people listening to my voice. Save me in the process. Because what legacy would I leave? I'm telling Brother Joe, Brother Joe, I want to set up a site where I'm a website where I can keep my sermons. And you know, I'm finished talking to him, and then I'm home, and I feel a little voice tells me, Paul did not leave his sermons, why you want to leave yours? A little voice telling me, Paul did not leave his sermons, why you want to leave yours? Well, the legacy, Paul, no, your legacy would last for a little bit and everybody's gone. You want to do something, do it now. Do it with all your might. I got 10 minutes to go, follow me here. Hold your finger in, in Psalms 49 and turn with me, turn, turn over to the writings of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Yes, Ecclesiastes, sorry. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. It tells you there is a time and season for everything. It says there is a... There, there. To everything there is a season, to every... And a time, to every purpose under the heaven. Verse 1, verse 2, a time to be born, and a time to die. Time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, and then a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. There's a time and season for everything. And then he says here, verse 19. That which befalleth the sons of men, the same thing happened to animals. Befalleth beasts. Everyone, everything, uh, the, every one thing befalleth them as the one diet, so diet the other. They all have one breath, so that a man has no preeminence above the beast for all his vanity. In other words, 
The simple thing called death takes a man out of existence, takes a dog out of existence, take a beast out of existence, take a king out of existence, take a beggar out of existence. And Solomon went on to say, he says, so died the other, yea, they all have one breath, so that a man have no preeminence above the beast for all his vanity. All go on to one place. You hit the dust. You're buried. You turn to dust. All are of the dust. All turn to dust again. Who know it? Question mark. That the spirit of man goeth upward and the spirit of beast goeth downward. And it is important for us to understand that. And Solomon, again, in... In verse chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes, he make a statement like this. To him that is joined to the living, there is hope. You and I tonight, you might have arthritis. You might be young. You might be old. You might not be able to stand up like you used to years ago. But you're here. You're alive. You're alive. And it says... For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. When you look at the two, a living dog is better than a dead lion. Now, nobody here is a dog, but aren't we all alive? Isn't that wonderful to be alive? You might have problems, but you're alive. Trouble ceaseth not, but you're alive. And Solomon goes out, he says, For for the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is perished. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is also perished, neither have they any more a portion for everything. He says, um, and this is so important. So, verse 10, everybody together now. Whatsoever, because you're alive, whatsoever your hand find it to do do it how with all your might you got to do something for somebody do it today don't wait while you're alive serve God while you're alive be kind while you're alive do something for somebody in your neighborhood while you're alive love your parents love your family love your brothers and sisters while you're alive he says whatsoever thine hand findeth to do do it with all thy might for there is no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest back in in, in psalms 49 got five minutes to go this is good to be in church tonight Amen. and Saul, uh, uh, the sons of Kor is writing this verse 10 for you see it that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person, they all die. Everybody's going to die one day. No matter how much education you got, you'll die. No matter how much money you have in the bank, you'll die. No matter how beautiful you are or handsome you are, you'll die. No matter how poor, penniless, or ugly, or rejected you are, you'll die. We all have to die. And he goes on to say, 
with individuals, their inward thought, verse 11, is that the houses shall continue forever. Not so. You won't continue forever. None of us will continue forever. It's a reality of fact. It's a fact. And tonight I took time to show you not only my worldly past, my, my old George Jones and Merle Haggard, they all died. Today, there's none of them that's left alive that I really want to listen to. But that's my past. Champions in the Bible, all gone. What about the New Testament? Maybe they're still alive. No. Peter, James, John, you name it. The most powerful men in their time, all gone. The greatest apostle that ever lived on this earth, Paul the Apostle, gone. John, who survived and was able to give us the book of Revelation, gone. It's a fact. That is why today, tonight, as I'm talking to you, understand that there is a reality that God help us. That in this life, it's not just about us. It's about being valuable to someone that's in need of something. And I still look at the, the, the possibility of individuals rising up in the resurrection and being able to enter into the kingdom of God because you are worth something before God. And so, David went, uh, the psalmist went on here. Verse 12, nevertheless, man that is in being in honor abideth not. He is like the beast that perisheth. Verse 14, like sheep they are laid in the grave. Every one is laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. But here's the difference. Those that are serving God sincerely and faithfully, the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning and their beauty shall consume away in the grave from their dwelling for when it tells us that when will I have that victory the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning we will all come to the place somewhere in our life that we're not going to be in existence no more. And as we sit here tonight in this church, don't wait until it's too late. Use the opportunity of life to worship God, to serve God, to do good for someone, because life is but a breath. Today we have life, and tomorrow death. May God help us. May God challenge our lives. May God help us to understand that there's a reality. And I'm sitting here talking to you tonight. There's no reason for me to get exalted, Brother John. Oh, I know God touches my mind. I'm aware of that. I'm aware. I have no doubt whatsoever that God, when I get, when I try, to, when I stand to preach or I sit to preach or I'm talking to you that God touches my mind. And gives me words to share with a congregation. 
And it was God who touched Jeremiah, it was God who touched Isaiah, it was God who touched the prophets, it was God who helped the early church apostles. And if we're to survive, it must be God helping us. Paul said, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. There was a time when he says, I've not yet apprehended that which the Lord has apprehended me for. But this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I'm pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But there comes that time and he says, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. Look back and he said, I fought a good fight. Many a battles, many a shipwreck, many a trials, many a stoning, many a whippings. But he said, I fought a good fight. Finish my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's later for me a crown of righteousness. Not only me, but all those who love his appearing. May God help us and challenge us. Not to ignore this lesson, but to see the reality of life. Amen. It would have been nice if my mom was alive tonight. Brother John, it would have been nice if your mom was alive tonight. It would have been nice if my dad was alive tonight. Gone. All gone. But I'm alive. And you're alive. Let's work together to face the trials of this life. And may God direct us and help us not to be useless, not to let the little pride things that, are, that exalt our ego affect us, but help us to love each other as God has placed in our hearts that ability to love. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight for this night in your house. We pray that these words that we have heard tonight would challenge us to understand the reality of life, the reality of death. God, appreciate, we appreciate being alive tonight. God, help us. Not to be striving to leave a legacy, but, oh God, to bless someone while we're alive. Help us, we pray. Bless this weekend, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.